I always think of like, all right, like all the SNC coaches that are in this house, they're like, they're arguing, they're debating. And I'm like the guy in the window outside looking like, hey guys, you know, like, yeah. I don't want to join, I just want to watch. As strength coaches, we love to talk about improving our athletes' numbers. Whether we're talking about faster 40s, higher vertical jumps, or even just bigger squats and deadlifts, there's something really cool about making our athletes more powerful and explosive. But here's an analogy I also love to give my athletes. Imagine I gift you with a brand new Ferrari. We're talking top of the line, cherry red convertible. This thing has all the bells and whistles. And man, I'm telling you, this thing has some serious get up and go to it. There's only one downside. That Ferrari that I just gifted you also has been gifted with some Kia brakes. Are you still interested in taking that car? Probably not, or at least not as much. Not without upgrading the brakes. And look, this analogy is great because the fact of the matter is that building the brakes is a critical element of athletic development, and that's why I brought my guy, Matthew Ibrahim, on the show here today. Matthew currently serves as the assistant professor of exercise science at Quincy College, adjunct professor of exercise science at Maryville University. He's the founder of Athletic Performance University and a PhD candidate in human and sport performance. As a public speaker, Matthew is presented nationally in over 25 states, and he's also in the midst of writing a book through human kinetics on the topic of training for athletic performance. And last but not least, Matthew is still a coach, and I think that's a big reason we had so much fun chatting here today. Now, if you're a regular to the show, welcome back. As always, love and appreciate you. And if you're new here, welcome. I'm Mike Robertson, and this is the Physical Preparation Podcast. In this show, we take deep dives into the art and science of coaching, cueing, program design, business, and personal development. Basically, anything to help you become a better trainer, coach, or rehab professional. Now, as a coach, I know that many of the injuries we see in sports today happen when athletes are going into a cut or landing from an awkward position, and I want to find ways to address that. So that's where we start today's show. We talk about building the brakes and why it should be a foundational part of every athletic program. We dive into some specifics as well. We talk about the role of strength. What role should the weight room play in helping an athlete build better breaks and getting stronger? We talk about deceleration in multiple planes because I see a lot of coaches get too focused on the sagittal plane, and we need to make sure that we're addressing the frontal and transverse planes as well. We talk about landing. Because if you work in volleyball, if you work in basketball, or any sport where an athlete has to absorb those impact forces from vertical landings, very, very important in their long-term health. And then finally, we bring it all together and we talk about how to integrate this into a session. Because I think a lot of times there's great ideas, great philosophy, but helping you understand how to integrate and tie this into a seamless training session will make a huge impact on how you write your programs. And then last but not least, we're going to talk about Matthew's newest project, Athletic Performance University, why I think it's such a fantastic idea, and how he's trying to really blend the philosophy and the academic side of understanding s with taking athletes or taking 
coaches and helping them get out and work with real athletes in the real world via internships and all these other great opportunities. So, man, I just think this is an awesome episode. Matthew is such an energetic guy. He's got so much great passion and enthusiasm for this topic, and I really think you're going to love it. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to jump into this awesome episode with my guy, Matthew Ibrahim. Today's episode of the Physical Preparation Podcast is brought to you by Exerfly. If you're unfamiliar with flywheel training, it's a method of strength training where your athletes generate resistance by using the inertia of a flywheel instead of traditional gravity-based resistance training. By accelerating and then decelerating a disc, your athletes generate resistance at all phases of the movement. This allows for high force training as well as eccentric overloading without the need for crazy heavy weights. I first got interested in flywheel training because I wanted my athletes to be better prepared for sport. Standard free weight training is great for the early preparatory phases, but I wanted something that could improve the rate of force development in both the concentric and eccentric phases of the lift. Most importantly, I wanted to make sure my athletes were prepared for those eccentric forces that they'll encounter in sports. And with their motorized technology, the Exerfly allows you to increase the eccentric phase of the lift from anywhere from 1 up to 80%. The biggest objection I had early on was learning a new piece of tech or equipment. After all, sometimes these things sound great, but really aren't all that functional, or they take forever to figure out. But luckily, if you take the time to watch a few short videos and experiment a little bit, you'll be using the Exerfly like a pro in no time. Setup is quick and easy, and my athletes are absolutely loving it. Last but not least, there are tons of different exercises and variations you can use as well. Whether we're talking squats, hinges, presses, split squats, if you can think of it, chances are you can figure out a way to do it with the Exerfly. The really cool thing is Exerfly is used by numerous teams in the NFL, NBA, over 50% of the English Premier League, and numerous Olympic developmental programs as well. Now, as a small business owner, I normally think, hey, this is way outside of my budget. I can't afford it because we all know in a small business, every penny counts. But Exerfly has you covered there as well. They offer 36-month interest-free financing so you can get started ASAP with your training and pay as you go. And when you factor in a 30-day money-back guarantee, two-year warranty, and free shipping, I really believe this is a solid investment. Look, the bottom line is this. If I don't really love something, I'm not going to promote it on my show. I love my Exerfly, the results I'm getting with it, and I think you will as well. To learn more, head over to exerfly.com so you can start building some savage athletic beasts in your gym. Again, that's exerfly.com. Matthew, man, thank you so much for coming on the show here today. Really excited to have you back on. Start by just telling us a little bit about yourself. Well, number one, Mike, thank you for having me on. I, I certainly appreciate it, brother. Number two, I'm sure you feel the same way. You know, you, you're an expert in the field. You've done this for a long time. You're an OG. And, you know, hey, what, can, you, can you describe yourself? Like, <laughs> what do you do, right? Like, yeah. my thing is always, I feel we all, like yourself, you're an entrepreneur. You do a million things and a million things well. And sure, I could rattle those off. But to be honest with you, I think for me, the first thing that's most important is, is I'm a coach. I'm a coach at heart. And so... I try to wear the hat of being a coach in everything that I do through the lens of education as an academic, uh, you know, college professor, as an actual SNC coach, still actively. So right now I'm in between uh, training clients. So middle of the day, wow. come home for a break, 
because um, I'm off in the summer for, from teaching. And then when I go educate and speak and similar to yourself, I'm teaching and educating the audience, the attendees as a coach. And so yeah. for me, it's always everything is through the lens of a coach. And I, I like to kind of look at it that way. So um, from what, what do I actually do rather than being <laughs> amb- ambiguous? Yeah. So I'm a full-time college professor, uh, assistant professor now uh, at Quincy College. Uh, so I live in Melrose, Mass. It's like 10 minutes from Boston. Quincy's about, eh, about 45 minutes the other way. So it's not, not the greatest drive, but it's great for listening to podcasts like yours. So it's a yes. nice, long, smooth ride. Perfect. That's my full-time job throughout the school year. Now, this is a union position. So summers I have off. This is when I dive in. So winter break and summer break, I dive in back to in-home personal training and also some SNC coaching athletes uh, at outdoor and indoor basketball courts because basketball is my jam. Um, and then I do a little bit of traveling, public speaking, stuff like that. I'm very fortunate to be on the, the Perform Better uh, speaking summit, so the yearly circuit, as well as I've done, uh, I think at this point up to, I've been fortunate to have the opportunity to speak for NSCA about 10 times and last year at national conference. Um, and then outside of that, I just like to enjoy the summertime. We have three months of good weather here in New England. Yeah. We're talking high volume of, of stand-up paddleboarding, uh, uh, pool basketball, and it gets aggressive. Yeah. I have two, I have yeah. two brothers, older, younger, so it gets aggressive. <laughs> We're looking at some some hikes, uh, you know, really enjoying the the, the weather and the nature. I just finally graduated from a sedan to an SUV in January, okay. and I, I purchased a mountain bike. And so I've taken that out like six or seven times now, just letting it rip, c- catching the you know the beautiful weather. And then uh, in addition to those things, now anyone who's done this to me, I, I, I'd like to talk to them because it's, it's, it's a really big challenge. Writing for a book that's going to be published through Human Kinetics on athletic performance training concepts uh, by the end of the year, fingers crossed. Yeah. So writing in that format, and then at the same time writing my dissertation. So Ooh. right now I'm, I'm in the dissertation phase. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's, it's challenging because a- anything for research, it, it has to be much more. Let's just call it what it is: robotic. Yeah. And then with writing for a book, it's more freestyle, like off the cuff. You're, you're the way that you roll. So for me, it's been doing those simultaneously has been a, I would say, a healthy challenge. And so, okay. um, you know. You take all of that and then there I saw this gap in the field where I said, okay, I really love coaching, educating, teaching, writing, and putting things out there to educate uh, coaches and, and young up-and-coming professionals. But I saw a gap where I was an internship coordinator uh, at an SNC facility um, from 2017 to 2021, also co-owner and director. And so I, I saw it from the other end. Like, okay, we're accepting your, your undergraduate college students, university students coming in. Yep. And we had tw- we had a very specific twelve week curriculum. We had cohorts up to five. I think it was ten cohorts, thirty three interns. Nine uh, became full time hires right after six oh, wow. external, three internal, and that's something I took a lot of pride in. And so when I left there between Jan twenty twenty one to let's say September twenty twenty two, I said, "Well, there's this gap. I want to pay it forward. I want to corral uh, young up and coming professionals." But how can I do this? And the undergraduate program that I was teaching at or am teaching at um, doesn't have a formal setup for that. And I pitched the idea of it and got turned down. And I said, okay, like I tried. How do I create this? So we were in Charleston, South Carolina, my wife and I. It was our one-year anniversary. Unfortunately, she had eaten something where she wasn't feeling good. Fortunately for me, it gave me a ton of time to work on something. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to stop beating around the bush. I slapped together a quick uh, logo and I, I got the Instagram page. I was like, you know what? Well, 
I already have the Instagram page. I might as well do it now. Long story short, we had a successful um, spring semester of Athletic Performance University, and now we're heading into the summer semester in a couple weeks. We have NSCA uh, CEU approval. We have a professional alliance network, including yourself and your company, which yeah. allows students to connect the dots to professional opportunities. So it's something I'm super passionate and happy for. And um, it, like we were talking about before we hopped on, it's like, you know, you have you just planted it in the ground, you know, you feed it, you know, there's soil, there's sunlight, there's water, the nutrients, vitamins, it's that daily nurturing to watch it grow. So it's something I'm, I'm really, really passionate about. That's awesome, man. And we're going to talk more about that later, because I want to hear just like the ins and outs of that. I'm fascinated by that whole concept. But to start this show, I mean, we talked about this quite a bit. I know it's a topic that I'm passionate about. I know you're very passionate about because you got a whole course around it. Talk to me about why building the brakes are so important. So it's funny. I, I, I interned at Mike Boyles back in 2011. I'm making myself sound old. <laughs> I, I, I emailed Mike. It was February of 2020. So you know the timeline. You know, this is right yeah. before, uh, you know. Everything uh, hits the fan. Armageddon. Armageddon yeah. Yeah. So I emailed Mike. I'm like, Mike, I said, I'd love to pitch this idea to your staff as an in-service. Would you allow me the opportunity? Mike was, I'm sure as you know, was kind enough to allow me to come in, sure. do an in-service. And the reason... I wanted to talk about D cells because I'm sure you see this. Like you've been in the field for a long time. You're an expert. You see this. Like, yeah, I know we're focusing on squat, deadlift, jump, like all the sexy stuff. I get it. A single leg, bilateral, all that stuff. But it's like, okay, what are the things that we're not focusing in on enough that only some of us are doing, but not all of us are doing that I know for sure is going to help the athlete uh, mm. Be successful, right? Yep. Bigger, stronger, faster is not the is not the thing anymore. It's right. Uh, it's stronger, healthier, more durable. That's kind of the lingo now. And so, how yeah. do we do that? And so, you look at any athlete at at, at an elite level, like at, like when you watch sports, right? Like, oh, boom, athlete. Like you can just see it. Yeah. I think of John. I think of Derek Rose when he would if when he would do his penultimate step to yam it down now granted off the record like acl injuries aside derrick rose was explosive he was a freak he was a freak right when yeah. you watch them produce force what comes first is is this ability to slow down build the brakes and then catapult and produce and yep. so for me i was like why are we why aren't we focusing on this enough i'm seeing people doing snap downs or drop squats or what have you but like that's cute and all that's a good starting point for maybe youth uh you know athletic development but how do we graduate how do we um, incorporate the D cell component into what we're already doing. So think of it like this, right? So we have we have a plyometrics or or a, you know a power block in our training program. Everyone calls it something different, but we work on the power stuff, force production. Yep. Force production has the cousin of force absorption. It's all force application. So why why are we missing this component? And so I said, okay, I think this is important. Um, and I wasn't looking for oh well I think this is sexy and we'll stand. I, I just think it's something we're not we're, we're missing. It's a missing. It's a missing link, not the. And so sure. I, I pitched it. I pitched it. Uh, Mike seems to like it. Uh, I'm super grateful because then he told Chris Poirier from Perform Better about the presentation. Uh, mind you, Chris had just visited our facility two days prior, and I was hounding him. I was like, Chris, <laughs> let, me speak, let, me speak, let me speak. And, and so yeah. I, was like, I probably, I probably annoyed this guy. I get an email like a few days later from Chris saying, "Hey, we'd love to have you on." I was like, "Wow!" Like, That's so cool. you know, I bought Mike uh, the the. The, the most amount of six packs of beers that I could get from Mike is he really put me on. I got to uh, show gratitude toward him. Yeah. And then um, that parlayed into so a, a handful of one hour variations of the D cell workshop. 
whether it was NSCA performed better, some local gigs, some PT clinics, performance centers. And then I was like, I was like, well, like this topic deserves more than an hour. So right, let me stretch it out to two hours, maybe three hours. So I had done a few of those. And then, and I keep saying to myself, okay, like we can really like lay this out over a full day seminar. And so last year uh, in Italy, and I had gone to Milan, Italy at FitFam Sport and Conditioning owned by oh, Tommaso yeah. Mazia and Luca, Luca Cherry for three or four years in a row prior to, to, to the um, uh, end of the world Armageddon. Yeah. And so I said, hey, Tommaso, like, I'd love to bring this out there. He said, of course, like, bring it out. Now, mind you, this is in Italy. And so obviously I talk for a minute and then he talks for a minute because he would yeah. translate. And so um, we t so there's a, there's a ton of components here, right? So it's number one. Like this is sections of the, of the workshop. Number one, what is force? So force application, understanding production and absorption. And, and like, let's have a running definition and some examples, some visual examples and, and that are multi-planar, so multi-directional. That's yeah. number one. Number two is what does the literature and evidence tell us for lower body injuries related to tissues and structures and support parts of the body, tendons, ligaments, and bones that are susceptible to these kind of short-term acute um, injuries in, in sport, m m more, more often like soft tissue stuff. Okay, we're looking yeah. at ankle, ankle region, right, knee region, calf, um, uh, groin region, hamstring region, and hip flexor region. Okay, you look at the literature, look, look at the evidence. Okay, so we have a running definition of force, application, production, absorption. We have an understanding of what the, the current evidence is telling us to support, hey, like maybe we should potentially directly isolate and strengthen these areas in an overall well-rounded SNC program. Right. SNC coaches take a deep breath. I'm not saying just isolate. What I am saying is, and I know I know you're onto this too, is maybe, right, like eat your steak, eat your broccoli, eat your rice, like which is, you know, your compound lifts, your power lifts, and maybe some of your accessory auxiliary work. But maybe you want to sprinkle on some salt and pepper, some other seasonings, a la direct isolated targeted work yep. in the form of Achilles tendon loading, uh, gastroc loading, Maybe some sp uh, uh, specific knee tendon loading, like you know, reverse Nordics or tall nil fallbacks or sissy squat variations. Obviously, we're hitting hamstring. Like, think of all of the slider, slide board, TRX, uh, physio yeah. ball, you know, extensions, eccentrics, on to fourth curls. Um, even some, dare I say this, some selectorized machine use I specific yeah. to hamstring, quad, knee extension. Looking at some seated and standing calf work for soleus. Um, and gas rock, not just the standing gas rock. Yep. I mean, hip, hip, flex, hip flexor work, Mike, I'm sure you see this is, all right, yeah, get your mini bands or your hip flexor spinners. Cool. That's great. That's a starting point. That's cute. Then yep. how do we take that into maybe step-up variations with knee drive variations, some very targeted uh, active hip flexion, and then translate that into sprinting? And then lastly, the groin. I don't know who named it the Copenhagen plank or the adductor plank, but whatever, we all know it's important. We look at the <laughs> literature. I think it was in 2017 in uh, elite Swedish football. I think it was like a 41% success rate. Granted, these these soccer players or football players in England, lower body weight, so appreciate loading of the medial structure of the entire knee and hip with respect to that setup. And so mm -hmm. um, that's I said, okay, well, there's direct work. There's some D-cell work. Maybe we can combine the two. And then that translates into multidirectional uh, speed and agility and change of direction work. And so yep. that's the course in a full day format, uh, NSCA approved, and it helps to bring to kind of bridge the gap from here's where we are, here's some ways we can begin to incorporate, and then add in direct work, add in some some D cell like force absorption in all planes of motion, frontal sagittal and transverse, 
and then connect all of those dots to, hey, what are they going to do on, on the court or the field to be awesome? Maybe we should do that speed, agility, and COD work to loop it all together. I love it. Okay, before we go any further, quick shout out to today's sponsor, Exerfly. If you're serious about building the brakes of your athletes, help them better attenuate the forces that they're going to see in decelerations, in landings, flywheel training is where it's at. This is something I knew we needed at iFast years ago because it bridges the gap from the stuff that you're doing in the weight room to the explosive, chaotic nature of sports. So whether we're talking squatting, split squatting, hinging, upper body activities, if you want to help your athletes better mitigate and attenuate the forces that they're gonna see on a competitive field, court, or pitch, an Exerfly flywheel can help you do that. So if you haven't already, go to exerflysport.com, check out their website, fantastic piece of equipment and something that I use almost every day at iFast. So check it out, and without any further ado, let's get back in this awesome episode with Matthew Ibrahim. There's gonna be some angry strength coaches out there. Just because you're talking about isolation work or talking about Encore and they're going to say, no, my job's in the weight room. Let's just start there, right? Because you talked about force, talking about force production, force absorption, trying to marry those two concepts. Just as a baseline level, what role does the weight room play in all this? Like, where does that fit in for starters? Huge, huge, absolutely huge. Because at the end of the day, we, we, we all know if an athlete cannot produce force, like that's, that's, they have to be able to produce force or so rate of force production, strength, power. I am saying by all means, that is the steak on your dinner plate. Like that's yep. the steak, the rice and, and the broccoli, for example, that's your uh, auxiliary work, your accessory work, your prehab rehab work, if you will, your, pot, your other development stuff. Yep. And what I'm saying is the direct isolated work is like salt, the pepper, the seasonings that go on top. They're that's part salt. of the plate. They have to be there in some extent. And I know like yourself, you spent some time in the, in the PT rehab world as a rehab aid, rehab tech. I have as well extensively, and I have my, my license of massage, which I don't actively use anymore, but it's still right. there from a, from a rehab sports medicine model. And so having the background of working alongside doctors of physical therapy, medical doctors, chiropractors, and ATs, you and I both know you begin to, as a strength coach and performance coach, uh, adopt this additional lens of just movement. And you understand, okay... Like strength is awesome. If I if I if I only get one hammer to swing, I'm gonna I'm gonna swing the hammer of strength every day of the week because we yeah. know it positively impacts mobility, flexibility, uh, cardiovascular, so on and so forth. But if I have the ability to swing multiple hammers, I have to swing the one of, um, you know, all that's all encompassing. So D cell and X cell, and yeah. there's this fascination of like think of think of those videos that came that came out on social media where you know you see an individual do like an, an aggressively high box jump. Mm -hmm. And I ask myself, like, when they land, other than maybe, well, I'm not going to go there. When they, <laughs> land, when, when they land on that box, what do they look like they're doing? They don't, to me, it looks, it does not look athletic at all. No. And I'm saying, okay, how is this helping? It looks great on social media, but you and I both know cool does not equal helpful for the athlete. Yep. And so it's understanding how to, uh, how to connect the dots for athletes that it's going to keep them healthy. And as strength and conditioning coaches and performance coaches, I'm not sitting here saying, you know, go out in there and act as a physical therapist or a sports medicine professional. What I am saying is it's important to adopt the lens of health and durability and incorporate that into the strength and performance model. Yeah, I love that, man. And I'm, I'm just thinking like we're in a very early offseason. I work in basketball, too, obviously. And, mm -hmm. and some of these guys I have, you know, upwards of four months. So it's great. It's like we have our time for our stake, you know, and we can do those those big compound lifts. We can do our split stance, our accessory exercise, our single leg work, 
But you're absolutely right, man. At the end of that session, I think that's a great time. And we're targeting hamstrings. We're targeting quads. We're targeting soleus. You know, like all those little isolation activities that I'll be honest, I shunned them for a long time, dude. Yeah. You know, like I grew up in. Everyone uh, did. Everyone yeah, did. Yeah. Like I was in the 90s. So it's like when we went to a weight room in the 90s, legitimately like the squat racks buried in the corner, the main, <laughs> like the stake of that time was all the selectorized equipment, right? And yeah, you would just yeah. go from one station to the next, to the next, yeah. to the next. So it took me a while to come full circle on this, but man, it's crazy just watching some of these high level athletes and you can literally watch, right? Like I don't even have them on like force plates or anything crazy to watch them. You can literally see these deficiencies or these discrepancies side to mm -hmm. side. You know, they're crushing leg extensions with a 40 with the monkey foot on one leg and on the other side, it's like 20. And they're like, yeah. yo, this is really hard. Like I didn't realize this was such a big discrepancy. So a hundred percent on board with you, man. Yeah. And, and it's funny. Like I, I know in the NBA, I forget the exact name of the test, but it's something along the lines of a single leg standing like uh, calf raise specific for muscular endurance testing. I think it's upwards yep. of, if you can hit, I think it's like 20 reps. Okay. Like adequate, you're good. If you can't hit 20 reps, single leg with a light hand support. Okay. So maybe something's awry here. Is it a, is it a muscle girth deficiency? Is it an inability? Cause you look at, you look at the, the literature, right? Like Achilles tendinopathies, which is an umbrella term for yeah. shit that happens to the Achilles <laughs> tendon, right? Like osis, right. Isis, itis, all that shit. And so you're saying, okay, what are the what are the modifiable risk factors? Well, strengthening the plantar flexors and mobilizing into dorsiflexion. Like we can, mm -hmm. we, those are risk factors we can modify as strength coaches. And so yeah. why aren't we attacking those? And then appreciating, and, and here I go on my rant because I love calves, you know, <laughs> then appreciating and understanding, like how do I actually directly target the tricep surrey, which is essentially the entire calf muscle, soleus and gastroc. Most people do the standing one, as you know. And I look at the gastroc, that, okay, like that, that's Batman. But what about yep. Robin? What about when your knees flex 60 degrees of flexion or so and you're seated? Or um, I think I saw Corey Schlesinger of the Suns do this where you're kind of standing and you're standing single leg, knee flex about 60 degrees or more. And it's it's sort of this like staggered stance setup, but the rear foot is is, is floating and yep. you heel raise your ISO there. I'm like, that's pretty cool too. So training both is important. Anytime I get asked, I'm like, well, how do I do Like hit them up like, like a set or two, 20, 30 reps, hit both per week. Don't just focus on one or the other. And then that begs yeah. the question, okay, what about anterior chain? What about some of the anterior, anterior tib and also appreciating posterior tib, muscle and tib tendon? And so the entire lower leg complex is probably as exciting to me as the shoulder is to Eric Cressy. And so, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm big, those are big words, man. I don't know, man. Eric Cressy <laughs> loves him some shoulders and elbows. <laughs> love it. Lo the love, love is not even doing it justice for him, but that's yeah. kind of, that's kind of the, the path that I, that I've gone down with the literature and the research. And I've tied that in with my dissertation as well. And so I think it's, it's a big area. I mean, think of it this, right? Let's say you have a middle-aged male who, Hey, I want to hit those sled. The, the sled push is really heavy. I want to get back into it. All right, Mr. Mr. Joe, so-and-so, you haven't been in the gym for three or four months, and then they go pop an Achilles. And like, all right, what, yeah. what is a modifiable risk factor there? Like, okay, can we load your Achilles before you load it like with a high tensile force? Absolutely. Maybe we can directly isolate that. And so some of those, those really low-level yielding ISOs, um, some of the pogo work extensively to kind of build that tissue tolerance, that rhythm. I like doing pogos in all variations. So supine in that bridge position. Uh, seated and then get into the standing tall and then standing knees bent and kind of playing around with some of those variations and also getting um, into the frontal plane as well. And so, and that's a, that's a whole nother bag of a conversation we could talk about too. Yeah, for sure. Well, we're going to get there, but moving from the, the weight room to more like deceleration itself, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
where do you start to plug and play deceleration training in into the session? And I'm curious because you said this up front and I love it. You talk about snap downs and those types of activities. They're cute, right? Like I get it. They're cute. Um, where, how do we progress some of these activities? So where does deceleration fit into a program and how do we start to really like tie some of these ends together and make it more functional for the athlete? Yeah, great question. Simple, in a simple way, my question would be, where do you put your plyometrics? So this is the question to the audience. Where you put your plyometrics is where you should put force production and force absorption. So to me, that's how it fits. That's how yeah. I compartmentalize it in my mind. I know like you, I believe it's R7, like you have your very specific yeah. protocols. I like yeah. to be really neat and organizing, okay, where do these things go? So wherever you put your plyometrics and power developments, I believe that D-cell skills should go there. That makes it, yeah. it makes it easy. Now, specifically in the program, I'm thinking end of warm-up slash dynamic movement prep slash beginning of actual training, like workout. Yeah. Um, that's where I predominantly put the, the specific D-cell drills, whether it's a band or <clears throat> – apologies – a band overload, a band resisted, or med ball, like maybe you added a med ball jab or a punch or a chop, which is a nice way to add progressive overload to really yep. make it more dynamic and you have to stabilize with that uh, yep. that force. And then thinking along the lines of if it's specific isolated work or direct work, like seated heel raise or whatnot, I do that toward the end, let them fatigue. I'll wink, wink, nudge, nudge, put it into the recovery section of the workout. because <laughs> It's like yeah. it, it kind of falls into the prehab, rehab, a, a, like a daily vitamin, if you will. So this is going to help you, um, yep. tendon health, joint health, so on and so forth. So that's how I approach it. Um, I'm actually in the midst of putting together the training program, um, training program chapters of my book right now for athletic performance, like training concept as a whole. And so I've sneakily put the D cell work where we just alluded to, but I've also added in some of the B, the B and C blocks with respect to upper body D cell. So, yeah, yeah. so I'm thinking like med ball work. I'm thinking uh, uh, res band resisted work. Like I'm thinking like punch, jab. But again, not trying to be cute, trying to be forceful on all planes of motion with our upper body. Because again, now like maybe you'd ha you'd need Eric to talk about this, not myself. But with the shoulder girdle, we also need to appreciate some of those decelerated forces for the rotator cuff. Right? Think of like yeah. eccentric strength there. I know you've done work extensively with that. Uh, I think of all those like prone I's, T's, Y's, W's, like alphabet soup. And that's all important as a starting point. Then how do we like add dynamic forces that are that are, that are overloaded in speed to that cuff? Think of a pitcher, right? Yep. When they pitch and, go, and they follow through, and again, I'm, I can't put my arm in those positions. I'm not, I'm not built like that. But <laughs> they, they let the ball go at 90 to 100 miles an hour. Then their arm has to decelerate and then come back, right? And so that's something yeah. that's something that's where my mind's going now is like, how do we continue? to refine the topic and then make it more holistic and whole body because we know like it's going to start with lower body, but then how do we connect the dots through the kinetic chain, through the core and torso and then through the shoulder girdle as well. So that's where my mind is sort of geeking out at this point of, of my career. Yeah, I love it. Well, so I just a couple of weeks ago had a guy named Ben Ashworth on the show, uh, athletic shoulder. And it's really interesting talking to him and, and listening to his thought process, very similar to yours in the sense that, you know, when he's assessing the shoulder, he's looking at, you know, core range of motion and those sorts of things, like your foundational aspects and then like your low end torque and strength. But he said where a lot of these people are missing the boat is the rate focused work. You know, I mean, we focus on it and we put so much emphasis on it on the lower body, but we don't always think about it when it comes to the upper body and the upper extremity. Like, hey, man, if you're going to do fast, explosive activities with your shoulder, you better be training for that in the gym to help prepare the tissues in the body 
for when you go out on the field, court pitch, or whatever it is where you need that shoulder to stay healthy. Super important. Yeah, and, I, and I, if I'm not mistaken, was he with Arsenal? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Football over in FA yeah. Premier League. Yeah, in England. Yeah. Yes. I was like, how does a shoulder guy get hired by the EPL, dude? Like, that's such a weird mix. Yeah. Is, is he a physio? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I believe by trade. Some of his work. Yeah, he's that, – and, and, and that, that's super important. You know, someone that I, that I see putting a good amount of workout on this, um, Andy Chen, uh, Moment mm-hmm. Physical Therapy uh, out in NYC. He's a smart cat. He's got a whole seminar built around his um, physical therapy and strength conditioning, like, model. But he's been putting on a, a good amount of, like, force absorption work, drops, decel, upper body stuff. And so – I just, you know, I just, you know, like anyone does, I, I steal. And I also, I always say I got it from so-and-so from really smart yep. people, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, very important, very important. So one thing you mentioned that I think is important as well is getting out of like this static sagittal plane mindset, mm-hmm. right? So you can do the snap downs and all that or whatever. But when we progress from that to moving linearly, moving laterally, where does that fit in? What are some activities that you're thinking about trying to incorporate into your sessions to, again, really build these breaks and make sure that these athletes are more robust? I think throughout the training year, if we have that, that kind of that macro view of the whole 12 months, absolutely in your A block, your compound lift, there's going to be some sort of tra- uh, sorry deadlift or squat. Like for sure, lower yeah. body, we're going to do it. But why can't we sub out or sub in a lateral squat, a really heavy loaded yeah. with appreciable weight, lateral squat, whether it's a landmine, a goblet, like or whatever it may be. Um, I tried a barbell front-loaded lateral squat. Not the best idea. Better off <laughs> put, it, put, it, put it on your back or maybe even SSB. And the reason why is because like think I always think of it like this, right? If I'm going to, let's say you and I, we work at this 9-to-5 uh, job in cubicles, and I'm like, hey, Mike, did you get that email I sent you? I'm probably going to come at you in that, in that sad point. <laughs> I'm not going to be like, Lateral lunge, frontal plane. Mike, you get that email I sent you? It's, yeah. it's, it's just this odd motion. Anytime right. you've seen someone lateral squat, lateral lunge, it looks like a duck. Like they're like, I don't know where my knees and hips and legs should go. And so why aren't we training that? Think of yep. think of the importance of the groin tissue from a knee health, a knee joint health and hip joint health standpoint. Super important, like such an important muscle. We love ourselves some hammies, but the groin is literally the neighbor of the hammy. Why aren't we showing Absolutely. the love to that as well? And that's why I think this – you think of like what, this rise in, in in like the Copenhagen plank, the Cop- like there's a million variations at this point on YouTube and social sure. media. And think of an athlete like it's, unless I'm track and field, you know, track and field, it's mostly linear, the sagittal plane. If I'm an athlete, it's multidirectional. Athletes live on this multidirectional continuum, yeah. all planes of motion. So why aren't we training all of them? We're only training sagittal for the most part. So for me, don't be afraid to load heavy fr- um, frontal plane work. Examples, lateral squats and lateral lunges are probably probably a great starting point. You can load up a really heavy caustic squat, but again, what's the goal there? Is it is it joint mobility, tissue flexibility, or is it strength? Or maybe it's both. Um, right. And then any sort of lateral step up, step down, whether you're it's a pure lateral step up, step down, or crossover in front, or crossover behind, or even under. There's there's variations that I'm I'm sure I, I don't even sure. know of. And so don't be afraid to train those patterns in frontal plane, whether you're targeting inner thigh adductor groin or lateral hip, some of the like TFL glute med stuff, it's all super important. So yeah. for me, it's not being afraid to put those in. Oh, don't just, oh, well, we did it in the warmth with a 10 pound medicine ball. I'm like, cool, bro. Like go load <laughs> up your squat with 10 pounds to see if, see if you, you make any uh, physiological adaptations or gains. It's not going to happen. So right. now I'm like, just today, I, I you know, I, I still have a coach to this day because, you know, I will never write my program for myself anymore. It's too much of a headache. 
<laughs> and he, he, he put in three by six per side, uh, goblet lateral squats. And I think I hit like 70, 80 pounds. Like it's heavy. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's hard. You it's feel so, it. You feel it. And so, yeah. um, when you have a 10 pound medicine ball in your hand, you say, well, I am loading it. Well, I don't think you're doing it justice. And I'm talking to the stubborn strength coach and you know, like they're out there and, oh, like, yeah. and Hey, we all love you, but like, let's all make our, our athletes healthier. So I think it's number one, don't be afraid to load heavy. Number two, there are so many variations that we don't even know about. Number three, um, start stationary and static, like lateral squats, stuff like that, and then get dynamic with lunge variations. If you really want to target adductor, add in some sort of uh, adduction component, whether it's a band, a slider, where you're have to, having to actively pull back to midline via adduction of the hip and really target mm. that groin tissue. And so, see what I'm saying? Like, we for, yeah, like I that. forget more than I remember for exercise selection at this point because you know you, you yeah, just, for sure. there's so it's it's impossible to remember all these exercises. Um, so I think if I could sum that up, Mike, it would be don't fall in love with exercises, fall in love with the adaptation you wish to chase. Yeah, yeah, I love that, and I love that idea too of not being afraid to load. And then I know we've both probably been heavily influenced by Lee Taft, mm -hmm, had mm -hmm. Lee on a while ago. And one of the things that we talked about too, it doesn't play into the building the brakes so much, but it plays into making your athletes more robust is not being afraid to do explosive lateral work, yeah. right? So I'm sure you've been exposed to, oh, well, if you want to keep the hamstrings healthy, train the hamstrings and you got that whole like slow controlled progression in the weight room, but then you got to do the rate side of the equation too, right? You got to sprint. Yeah. So in this case, Hey, do your heavy lateral stuff, right? Build that tissue quality and that tissue strength and that resilience to load, but then do fast, explosive lateral shuffles as well, right? Mm -hmm. Because you got to expose things to load and rate. And if you're doing both those things, I really feel like you're creating this like well-rounded athletic development program. Yeah, you're exposing athletes to what they're going to see in sport. And that's why it's yes. so, so intelligent to do it. And uh, Lee really opened my mind. Lee, Lee, Lee is a great guy. He and I actually... Um, worked on a, an undergraduate program course that I now teach for Maryville University. So, oh wow, that's cool. took his core and, and I mean to be I have to have, to be an undergraduate student exposed to his work. You are so lucky, my friends. Um, but he's exquisite, and he opened my mind last last year uh, big time at his performance at um at Perform Better his talk and talking about lateral shuffles and how we always try to think of okay. Toes forward, toes forward, toes forward. Yeah. It's like, well, if I'm going in that direction, don't I want to like like bias a little ER and have that toe out of touch to like to gain and then maybe maybe rotate yeah. and go to transverse plane? I'm like, I'm like, shit, like I didn't even think about that. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, damn you, Lee. Like, so he opened my mind a ton with that multi-directional stuff. And you know, a lot of the components that I've that have feed my thought, um, have fed my thoughts have been from his work heavily. So um, super big shout out to Lee. He is like straight up OG, knows his stuff. He's the goat, he's man. So humble too. So humble. Yeah. So humble. Yeah. I love him. I love him. Okay. One more kind of topic. And then I want to talk a little bit about like bringing the pieces together. But mm -hmm. talk to me about deceleration versus landing, right? So we've got mm -hmm. like the straight ahead. We got the lateral. Now we got the impact, like the vertical impact and, and force absorption because you're in basketball. You see that a lot. I just got a new girl starting with me. Uh, that's a collegiate volleyball player. Mm -hmm. I think it's been a while since I dug in there, but I think it's 250, 300 jumps yeah. every match. Yeah. Right. So talk to me about building the breaks in that vertical sense and how we can do a better job of keeping our athletes healthy in that, that regard. Yeah. Well, you, you, you hit it, Mike. Like you think of, uh, they're called AEs, uh, athlete exposures per practice per game. And I think, I think you're correct. In volleyball, like two, 250 per practice per game. And you look at like the basketball realm. Those are probably the two most heavily researched. 
And you, you say to yourself, okay, well, if I'm going to be exposing this athlete to jump, uh, jump landing, vertical, vertical displacement, like uh, that plane of motion, X amount of times per game for practice, how do that, how do that counter that and prepare them for that? Is that, is they going to get to that in the season or what, or what have you? So landing is, this is the question we always hear, like, should I tell my athletes to land softly? <laughs> it depends. Like if you are coming off an ACL, for example, and you're, I don't know, seven months, eight months post-op, like about to be returned to play or maybe a couple months short of it. And if, if you know, the physio is in charge at that point, they say, hey, no, no, as part of this remodeling phase for the tissue or the ACL or the graft or whatever it may be, I want them to land softly. You need to, you need to appreciate the healing process, the recovery. For sure. For sure. Like, all right, as a strength coach, Hey, per the, those protocols, I want you to land softly. Yep. But athlete is perfectly healthy, no issues, nothing going on right now. I don't want to tell you to land softly. I'm not going <laughs> to say that because in the game, imagine Rodman getting a board. Like I, I, I've rewatched the. Uh, I always call him the it the Jordan documentary on Netflix. It's really the Last yeah. Dance. It's it's the Jordan. It's the Jordan documentary. Let's be real. It's about Jordan. <laughs> imagine, imagine you know Rodman grabs his 37th rebound in the game. Like yo, Pip, yo, Rod, hold up. I'm gonna have a tea party. I'll, be, I'll, I'll throw the yellow path in a moment. He didn't do that. He right. Corralled it, uh, landed, and then outlet. Right. So yeah. it's 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 violent. It's aggressive. It's fast. It's it's completely chaotic. How do you get to a point where it's cute? It's slow. It's softly to progressing along through the continuum of violent, fast, uh, chaotic, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know, we have to slowly, gradually get them there over time from throughout the entire c- the continuum. Like you talked about the rate of speed and how fast it is, and so. We don't want to just pluck them on the side of like super high, super fast, super chaotic yet, super violent yet. We want to start somewhere in the middle, I'd say, if we've already gained, gained an appreciable uh, amount of uh, motor skill acquisition with like the softly landing stuff and we've kind of already passed that. Cause that's more of developmental right. uh, work. So adding some chaos in, right? So maybe, you know, I've seen this a, a lot where an athlete jumps up, they land, and upon landing, they have someone with a physio ball try to like jab them or, or so on and so forth. Now, this is one of a million examples. It could be with a band overload, could be with a medicine ball jab, uh, uh, push, press, punch, so on and so forth. Um, I think overloading positions that are going to be important for sport. It's rare I jump up with two feet and land with two feet like I'm on a skateboard. So you right. talk about this like like that split, that staggered stance position, uh, kickstand. Like there's a million ways to call it, but we all yeah. – I'm, I'm in this like split, like hip dissociated position. Like I, I need yeah. to be able to IR, ER, and push out, right? So for me, it's like playing along that entire continuum. I have a split squat. I have a split stance. I have the staggered stance. I have maybe a like a one-leg RDL like – uh, with 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 a, a kickstand in the back, something like that, where I'm I'm challenging them to land in all these positions, <clears throat> sagittal, frontal plane. I like utilizing I forget what uh, the slant board, right? So yeah. the slant board, you know, start maybe start off with some pogos, single leg, and again start at a at a low inclination, maybe like 20, 30 degrees, you know, floor, slant board, back and forth, back and forth, so lateral medial pogos, and maybe yeah. I do a skater hop and I land, or maybe I jab onto the skate the the slant board and jab off. I mean, you look at Corey Schlesinger's. I forget what it's called. It's his piece of equipment that he's come up with. He's got slant boards all around that thing. And he yeah. does, you know, he talked, and again, he's the perfect sport, NBA Phoenix Suns, right? He, you think of all those contacts outside of sagittal plane, like the foot contacts, yeah. right? It's, it's predominantly going to be um, awkward sagittal plane into frontal plane type stuff. So I think exposing our athletes to some of those challenging landing positions is really important. And also, uh, making sure our ankle complex is ready for those from an ankle dorsiflexion, like joint mobility standpoint, 
and some yep. of the some of the foot intrinsics. And then that then then we begin to talk about okay, post tip, post tip tendon, anterior tib, and all that other stuff because I think it feeds into these things uh, like big toe extension, like that hallux bone because that's push yep. off, right? Like if you don't have the ability yep. of your like when I assess, I, I have the athlete barefoot. Like we get all we got all nice and nice and dirty here, but can yeah. you dissociate? the big toe from the other four toes and then vice versa. Can you do like, I think it's called uh, like the piano or um, oh, yeah, yeah. I'll assist while they lift off and vice versa. Like it is my, Mike, you know, it is hard. Yeah. So that's important for that big toe because then it leads up the chain from a landing standpoint. So um, that's what has fascinated me about the lower leg. And that's why I've gone like all the way in on that because I think it helps some of the other pieces when we talk about landing. Yeah. Well, I think one of the most salient points you make here. And I just saw this video on IG yesterday. I don't know if you posted it. I don't think it was you. But it was like, what strength coaches think uh, impact or collisions are like, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like somebody doing like snap downs and all these pretty exercises. And then it cuts to somebody. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I've seen it. I've seen it, yeah. This guy comes in and it's, ta it's, it's like an NFL football game. And the guy's going into the end zone. The guy tackles him. He literally flips in the air, does a 180 and like lands on his basically on his ankles in like a deep squat, like rolls into the end zone. It's like, look, man, there's a lot of stuff that we can do to prepare our athletes, but just respect the fact that every sport, some more so than others, but every sport is violent, it's chaotic, and nothing we can do in the gym, in our preparation is going to 100% mm -hmm. prepare somebody for sport. We try and do the best that we can, but just recognize the fact that high-level elite sports are on a whole nother level. It's like, uh, what was Mike Tyson? I mean, probably like getting punched by Mike Tyson too, but what was Mike Tyson's thing? It's like everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Punched in the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I that, love that. That's what it's like to me. It's like, you're right. We can do the best we can, but at the end of the day, like, you know, let's say you're even doing, hey, I'm, I'm going to sprint out 10 yards and then do an aggressive stop. Okay, cool. Like, that's, but then, then it gets into COD versus agility, like that, that reactive component. And that, that external stimuli to the, okay, is it a light? Is it a color? Is it a, is it a defender? Is it a ball? Is, is it yep. a reflection? How do I react to that? But even, but even then, but even then, it's like, yeah, like we're still in the, and that's the best we can do. That's, again, yeah. control the controllables. So, yep. you know, anytime that someone has come to my seminar or the, the clinic or the workshop and they talk about it, like, they're like, well, like, how do we get to the game? I'm like, all right, well, here's where you start if I have a blank white canvas. Here's where I want you to be. And I have, I have a picture of like, you know, Jerome Bettis running through a, through a line of, uh, of defenders or have like, you know, uh, Barry Sanders with an aggressive juke cut coming out of the hole or I have Leo Messi yeah. kind of doing that depth, that depth, like that cut. And so it's, it's high yeah. level stuff, violence, violent, uh, aggressive manner. But again, how do we prepare them the best we can for that, those actions in sport? Yep. Yep. Okay. I love it. So I think you've kind of already described this, but I want to really just put it out on a platter for somebody, okay? Mm -hmm. So let's say we're very early on in an off-season, mm -hmm. right? Like we're super focused. We're not even thinking about force production just yet and like creating a bigger engine. We're just focused on building the brakes. Walk me through what a training session would look like for you, big right? Time, big time. I'm, full, I'm locking in on uh, tissue capacity, uh, tendon health, and a ton of isometrics, pepper with some eccentrics, and then a good dose of uh, D-cell landing work, low-level, uh, like extensive plyos as well. Um, I yeah. want to load – I probably if, – if, so I have about three or four months. I probably want to do some like basic GPP, like upwards of like 8 to 15 reps of my primary lifts, like you know squatting, deadlifting, single leg work, all that jazz, yeah. horizontal, vertical push-pull, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I want to maybe you know, hit them up with some arm farm, right, and then some, yeah. leg, some leg farm as well. 
Again, this yeah. isolated direct work. Um, it's not sexy, as you know. It's the basics. Uh, probably give them a good amount of joint mobility, tissue flexibility, maybe some some yoga movement flows, um, and then uh, restore uh, some of that cardiac output. Uh, I'm sorry, that, that cardiovascular, like that low level, like 120, yeah. 150 beats per minute um, uh, by, via Joel Jameson, some of that really like, hey, like just extend and expand their heart heart's ability to contract yep. for uh, some cardio and some stamina. Outside of that, that's probably where I'd start. Again, super boring and mundane, but like sexy isn't the answer. It's got to be, it's got to be basic. It has to be simple. And then we can expand through different avenues. This is also a place where I probably want to get them into some different ranges of motion outside of sagittal plane, frontal, yeah. even some transverse. Like one thing that I'm digging is um, if you've ever taken like a dumbbell and a goblet or a kettlebell and a goblet or two dumbbells uh, hand in hand is you start here and then you kind of rotate 90 degrees into this like rotational caustic lunge and then come back. Okay. Again, you yeah. can't really load it heavy, but it, it's you're getting hammy, you're getting groin, you're getting hip flex, you're getting knee, hip, some core anti-flexion. So it's a nice way to add in some of those um, patterns that we they, we haven't trained in a while to restore good quality movement. So that, that's that's the theme. Restoring good quality movement and some some I guess some general uh, some GPP. Yeah, I love it. And one of the big things it, it's a little bit harder sometimes with like your younger kids mm-hmm. or your like developing kids that because they just want to go hard all the time. Mm-hmm. But with my established athletes, like they're welcoming this break. Yeah, you know, long season. Whether you know if it's a an NBA or an overseas or a college level player, they've got a lot going on. They've just been grinding for who knows six, seven, eight months. This is a welcome break, right? Like they want to get back in the gym, but they're not looking for just scorched earth the first day you get them on the gym floor, right? They don't want to feel like, oh my God, (laughs) I can't walk on Tuesday because Mike or Matthew killed me on Monday. So like kind of slow rolling and slow cooking the entire process, I think just really sets you up for success throughout the off season. Yeah, I remember when when Art Horn was at Northeastern University, he held the Boston Sports Medicine Performance Group Seminar, BSMPG. And this is 2014. And he had uh, Dr. Robert Sapolsky, uh, Sapolsky, I believe. And yeah. He wrote the book "Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers." Yeah. And something along the lines of the like, classic book. Yeah, stress is stress. And as young up and coming S and C coaches, like OGs, get it. Like people who've been in the game for a while, they get it. But you are essentially a high level manager of stress. And so whether it's I broke up with my girlfriend, or you know my dog ate my homework, or like I don't know someone. Pete on my Jordans, like whatever, right? <laughs> like that, that's, that would make me sad. Um, you know, stress is stress is stress. Like, are you getting poor sleep? Are you, enough, are you getting enough nutrition? Like, you know, h- how's your intake been the past couple of days? Um, did you take an exam and you're just fuming right now, right? And so it's right. appreciating that, hey, let's deload them a little bit. Or dare I use the word deload? Because people, oh, you, you, don't, you didn't no. deserve a deload. You're not a power lifter. I'm like, oh, relax, guys. Like stress is stress. And so we need to appreciate like what? What are the visual signs an athlete comes to, like? An athlete walks in your room and they're kind of like, you know, they're slouching, they're they're kind of dragging along, like they're like slurching on the ground, like one foot in front of the other. Like, all right, that person's not ready to go balls to the wall, ha, 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 you know, prime CNS. Maybe no. we maybe we do a low CNS day, right? And so appreciating recovery times and then just we need different times for stress. When we go back to the gas model, like that's part of it. People forget that it's it, it's based on that general science. So we need to appreciate the the science there. Yeah, I love it, man. Yeah, the the keyboard warriors love to argue about stuff, right? Mm-hmm. They, they love to argue about deloads. Another one, I mean, I know you use the term force absorption. Like that's how I think of it too. Is it the best word? Probably not because mm-hmm. a, a yeah. force can't be absorbed, but 
Again, like we all know what we're talking about. So can we focus on like what really matters here versus vernacular? I always think of I, this. This is mostly on Twitter. I always think of like, all right, like all the SNC coaches that are in this house. They're like, they're arguing, they're dating. And I'm like the guy in the window outside looking like, hey, guys, like, you know, like, yeah, I don't want to join. I just want to watch. Yeah, <laughs> I, know. Popcorn. I know. <laughs> like, I know. They, anytime, they love to argue. Anytime someone puts out like a very thoughtful question that's de- debating Something that I'm like, hey, that's a great question. Like, I'll happily talk it through. That that's different. That that that's there. Right. There's a, a level of professionalism. Music. Uh, hey, let's take this off yep. on a call or a DM. But you and I both know that's like in the one percentile. If it, yeah. if it is something that is like, I'm like, all right, like, take a deep breath, dude. Seriously. To be honest with you, and I, and I'm comfortable saying this. I just delete and block them. I'm like, I, I don't have yeah. energy for for negativity. It's just no. not, I don't have that energy for it. And like, we can all do better things for our time. <laughs> absolutely absolutely all right man a couple more questions i want to be respectful of your time mm-hmm. but i want to hear more about apu athletic mm-hmm. performance university what was the impetus behind that what really drove you to like get this going and make it a real thing versus just something that's bouncing around in your head hole in the field gap in the field and i think that's where anything comes from like, what is the gap right and so for me i had been an internship coordinator at an SEC facility as director and then I wanted to do something in that in that that light moving forward. I didn't, I didn't have the opportunity. Like I said, I pitched it to my dean at the time. It didn't work out. All right, great. It's like, what do I do here? Are you a problem solver or someone who just talks about problems? So for me, I like to solve. And so for me, I'm like, all right, let me just create this. Like, screw it. We're doing it. And I put it out to the world. So it's eight eight weeks. So it's eight-week uh, module, um, specific, you know, different topics per week. We meet for one hour each week on Zoom. Uh, and I treat it exactly like an undergraduate course, upper level, junior, senior, there's homework assignments, there's quizzes, there's a midterm exam, there's a final exam, there's a final project. Um, there cool. is discussion board assignments, there is an actual discussion board forum where we, you know, let's say it's an impromptu thing like, hey, Mike Robertson put out a great podcast, go check it out. Like stuff like that. Where we, hey, read this article on, you know, COD and agility, great, pop it in there. Um, we're creating a community now. And so... I know yeah. my wife's always like, why don't you say I? It's only you. But I'm like, it's we. It's a community. It's a team. And so yeah. it's really important to me to, to create a culture, a team, and a community. So had the first semester in the spring. Uh, got approved for 1.4 NSCA CEUs. Um, had that filled up. Summer starts June 5th. That just filled up like literally a couple hours ago. Awesome. And then we're going to have uh, every, every, co- every semester we're going to have a cohort. So fall semesters, uh, spring semester, summer, and I'm going to run it like a class. And I am, that's so that's cool. how we're doing it. Um, it's really targeted very specifically. Like it was built for young SNC coaches, one to five years in the field. You figure like 22 to 27 for the most part, uh, years yep. of age, slash junior seniors of, of exercise science undergrad. So like, you know, 2021. 20, so it's, right. it's really specific for the 20 to 27 year old. But I've had someone in their 50s join. I've had PTs. I've had ATs. I've had chiros, massage therapists. Um, I've had a really whole host of movement professionals. But again, it's it's strict. It's specifically uh, designed around SNC loading principles, training around injury, um, how to set up a training program design. It's it's the goal is there's three career cornerstone skills that I'm chasing: creating, creating training programs, creating a brand for yourself, creating awareness uh, around your ability to coach, and then that feeds into coaching which we know is a very vague term. Like how do I effectively coach out of these tough, difficult scenarios like conflict resolution um, and also right. different ages, backgrounds, uh, whatnot, and then um, communication skills. And so understanding how to build buy-in and trust with the proper wording in different scenarios. I've had high school strength coaches, collegiate, private sector, some pro sport, 
um, and also some one-on-one personal trainers. And so each of those, as you know, is really different. And so I try to make the course as dynamic as possible. And I had a ton of great feedback. So from the last semester, so we created the Professional Alliance to offer more opportunities for students, whether it's job placement, internship placement, um, observation hours, fellowships, so on and so forth. We've created um, opportunities that will help students um, connect with professionals in the field that they want to learn from. So I've, I've kind of ex- leveraged my network and, and said, hey, guys, like, come on in. Like, I'm here to help. And so right. it's been a real passion project for me. Um, it, it, it's I would call it a uh, yeah passion project. It's a small side business. I'm not looking to make it a full-time thing because I think for me personally, that would defeat my joy of it. And yeah. I'm definitely going to have guest lectures um, in the upcoming semesters, but outside of SNC that, that will complement, whether it's PT, AT, whether it's communication, nutrition, um, research and development, because that's, cool. that's, you know, that's not my strength. And then I think the other component is, um, having students connect that, that are in our, our, um, they've graduated, like our alumni connect with the younger ones and say, Hey, you know, here's some things that I can done. And let's say I have two out in Chicago, like one graduated, one, uh, entry level into the new course. Hey, Guys, you should link up and connect. So I created the private right. Facebook group. Um, I'm just trying to think of ways to continue to add value and make it better. And so I'm always open to constructive criticism. And I, I tell all the graduates that, like, anything you see, let me know. I'll, I'll at least listen to it and, and give it some thought. And so um, we're just getting started. And I'm really, really hungry to make this a, a, a really a, a big thing for students and young coaches moving forward. Yeah. No, it's just very cool. I mean, I remember a while back you approached me about the idea and I was like, dude, this sounds amazing, you know? And I'll be honest, I get a lot of people that approach me with cool ideas and very few actually Well, you're cool, Mike. You're get- a cool guy. <laughs> well, it's just cool to see somebody have an idea, tell me about it, and then see the follow through and see you accomplish it. So that's awesome. Thank you. So with this being said, one final question, because you've seen a lot of different aspects of this industry, right? Like you said, you've been an intern, you're a strength and conditioning coach, you're a lecturer, consultant, speaker, like you do all these different things. How do we as an industry do a better job of integrating this intellectual, philosophical learning side with the practical and applied? Because I feel like so often you've got like the, it's not as bad now, but you still got like the academics over here and they live in the lab and you got the coaches over here and you know, they like just live in the weight room and they don't care about what these guys are doing. How do we integrate all of these worlds a little bit better and ultimately give the clients and athletes we work with a better training result? This is exactly why I created APU. There's this gap of theory to practice, taking lecture and turning it into hands-on application. And it starts in undergraduate. In my, my opinion, it starts in undergraduate. We can't just yep. teach theory. We can't just teach lecture. Science is important. Anatomy is important. Function is important. Yes, kinesiology. Teach it, teach it, teach it. Give them opportunities to apply it. Give them a chance to actually show the skills in real-world settings where they're going to face adversity. They're going to face challenge. And so sorry to get all all excitable and no. energetic, but this is why I created it because um, you know the goal is to also do take APU and turn it into live in-person events. And so um, I'll be heading out uh, to Italy uh, end of end, end of uh, June with Kevin Carr. Essentially, Kevin Carr is taking his uh, the book Functional Training Anatomy. Those concepts. Yep. And I'm taking my athletic performance university concepts and we're kind of like emerging both over a two day seminar. It sold, it already sold out a hundred tickets cool. within two That's weeks, awesome. which is wild to me. Like I'm like you guys. super grateful for that. And so, um, if that goes well, which sold tickets, but we have to make, we have to give it a home run. If that goes well, my goal is to then make APU 
um, something that I do year round. I don't want to turn it into a certification course. I'm more, I'm more along the lines. I want to turn it into concepts and philosophies that, that students can come to and, and then apply, get approved for CEUs and then go apply it. And so uh, be on the lookout for that. But I think the biggest thing is there's theory lecture, and then there's practical application, like actually using the skills. I liken this to, all right, Mike, you just planted a beautiful, beautiful flower. It's, it's in the soil. You're going to water it. You're going to, you're going to put sunlight and throw some vitamins and minerals. You're going to walk away. You're going to leave, never come back again. Probably going to be an okay flower. Probably going to grow okay. But I don't right. think I don't think we should chase okay or good. I think we should chase excellence. So every single day, nurturing, adding the water, adding the sunlight, adding the nutrients. You know, you know, making the soil nice and moist for it and whatnot. And so I think that constant layering effect of theory then practice, theory then practice. When I teach in undergrad, specifically the exercise program design course, which I've taught at three different institutions now uh, seven times. Tuesdays we do lecture in theory. Thursdays, we take that theory lecture into the weight room for application. So, for example, nice. Tuesday might be about hip and hip joint, knee joint, ankle anatomy with respect to squatting patterns. And then Thursday is let's show you five variations of a squat pattern in a weight room, how to load it, how to coach it, how to cue it. And then, okay, great. That's a layering effect. That's, that's within a two-week module. And so I think having that ability to see it on the board and then apply it in the weight room is really important. It's almost like whiteboard to weight room. Let's coin that. Absolutely. No, you need to coin that. Like... I'm just thinking I wish it would have been like that, right? When like you, when, when I was we were growing students, up. yeah. Oh, I know. No, it's like, oh, yeah, here's your back squat. And then you go back squat and that's it. And it's well, like. you see a video on the board. Like, can you show us in the weight room? Yeah. Like, yeah. No, literally. Okay, well, I'm not going to go there. I was going to say on a VHS there, tape. <laughs> yeah, VHS tape. Yeah, I'm showing my age there. But, like, that's how I took the NSCA exam is, like, wow. watching the person, you know, what's wrong with this squat, you know, but. Yeah, no, I love, I love that. That is so cool. And like, we can do that at an internship, but man, how much easier would it be for me as an internship coordinator if somebody as a sophomore, junior, senior in college has already been exposed to this now? It's like, now, dude, let's just refine this model a little bit. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about, again, practical application. All right, you gave them this activity. Now it doesn't work. What are you going to do instead? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You see? So it's like so much more dynamic, but man, I love that, dude. Okay. Last but not least, let's do our lightning round. Yes. You, you good yes. with this? I, to be you honest ready? with you, I've been waiting for this. Okay, perfect, perfect. <laughs> well, okay, like two-parter here. Number one, are you a coffee guy? Big time. Okay. Black. You're going to? Got to be black. Okay. <laughs> but but you get off that plane, because we all know when you go to Europe, it's morning, yeah. you're jet-lagged. Uh -huh. What's the first coffee you're going to order? Oh, Dopio, double hot espresso with, with, without question. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you fit right in in the uh, Italian coffee culture. I, I was there for 64 hours three years ago, and four years ago, and I had 14 espresso shots. 14. <laughs> Not by design. They drink it like water. They have a vending machine oh. in Italy in the gym that is yeah. espressos. I was like, yeah. guys, I've had four today. I'm all set. Thanks. Yeah. No, the, the coffee culture is amazing. Like, Secretly, I love Slovenia. I yeah. love my guy Matej for bringing me over there. But yeah, the coffee culture is elite. He's right. very he's very methodical about the coffee too. It's oh, like a double get... here, a double here, double you know in the afternoon, like after lunch, like it's elite. Well, so, it's hot. I'm... It's less caffeine the, the darker the roast. Yes. So people don't yes. not you know if you're not a coffee aficionado like ourselves, people don't know that you know. Yeah. So it's a, oh. it's important. Yeah, I love it, man. Okay, I'm excited to hear this one. As a kid growing up. Favorite basketball player? Oh, Allen Iverson, hands down. Okay. Big time. Okay. Big time. AI. Yes. Well, namely because third grade, no, second grade, my, you know, first day of class, like, all right, Matthew Iverson. And I was like, 
I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take Iverson, it. I love so, it. Yeah, he uh I had every single pair of of uh the answers. Like the, the, oh, the shoes. Yes. The zip I still have a pair of the zip ups. I don't wear them nice. really fit, but AI to, to to like obviously Jordan, like you know, obviously Jordan, yeah. but AI to me was like he had that swagger, he had that like that that little guy like get off of me. Like that to me was yes. he he was he was the best. Uh it's so funny. We were just talking about him in the gym today and practice? talking about like a practice. If, if you look at that team, the entire team was constructed around Allen Iverson being an absolute basketball offensive juggernaut. Literally. And I just remember they went to the finals that one year against the Lakers. Didn't they win one? The they won the first game, right? This is so funny. This is exactly what we were talking about. I think this was Stephen A. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Stephen A. was just coming on the scene at this time. Mm-hmm. And he said, they, they asked for his prediction. He's like, 4-1 because AI is going to get you one. Yep. And he literally in the first game, I think, dropped fifty. Stepped over Ty Lu, took the three. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, do, All that. Do, you know? All that. He, MVP, so funny. MVP year. That was oh one. Yeah, I think so. I think MVP so. MVP year. He he was Dude. he was he, like, he was killing. You couldn't touch him that year. He was killing. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Along those same lines, favorite basketball team growing up? Uh, Celtics have to, just because, you know, yeah. like Tuan, uh young Paul Pierce <laughs> out of KU. Um, yep. uh, Ron Mercer at the time, yeah. Walter, Walter McCarty, Vitaly Potopenko, like you know, yes. that, that, whole, yes. that whole squad. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were fun to watch, dude. They yeah. were fun to watch. Uh, another random story. One time I was in Chicago. I think it might have been for a perform better or something. We're hanging out and I'm in a club and I walk out of the club and Antoine Walker is sitting right there. Legitimately like here to here. With the largest gold watch I've ever seen in my entire life. It had to be this big. Because, I mean, you know, all those guys are huge. So imagine how big a big face has to be to cover up this guy's entire forearm. I was like, yo, that's sick. Well, I don't think he has that gold watch anymore. No, no, no. I think he was kind of bad with his money, which is sad. bankruptcy, I believe. Ouch. Too bad. Ouch. He was good, though. He was good. He was really good. He was good. He was good. All right, last one. Semi-related to basketball. You mentioned these uh, pool basketball games oh, between you and your brothers. Electric. Who's winning? Uh, oh, number, Who's winning? number one, it's called Hydro Hoops. It's a league. It's, Hydro this Hoops. Is a, it's a two-on-two <laughs> league. The, um, this is dead serious, Mike. Uh, it goes up to waist level. <laughs> uh, the part of the pool, the in-ground pool, it's about, it's about a 10-foot by 10-foot area sectioned off yep. just for Hydro Hoops. It's legit. You know, you, okay. It's an invitation-only <laughs> league. It's, it's like playing, <laughs> playing at Rucker, only that we're in the backyard yeah. in Boston. And uh, yes. 2v2, what happens is this. There's the buoyancy effect. It's way, it's way steep. Now, from a power standpoint, I'm the most powerful out of my three brothers. I'm still like subpar, not even yeah. athletic, but still I'm probably like a 75 overall athleticism if we look at like NBA rankings and, you know, yeah. video game. My brothers are okay. – they have some they have some abilities. They're shifty. They got some shot stuff. But when it comes to blocking right. shots and dunking on people, which is big in the yep. pool, right? Like I yes. dominate in that. So uh, I would say – out of all the games we played, probably like 300 in the past couple summers, um, you know, up to 11 or whatnot. Like it's it's probably like I have more wins across the board, but like they're they're close. They're, they're, they got okay. some, they got some skills. Okay, I like it. You're honest about it because yeah. you know if you just immediately said no, I win them all, I'd have to question that. Well, but I probably also, average like seven blocks a game in the pool, which as you yeah, know, it's not see, it's not hard. It's not hard. No, no, it's just beat it up, <laughs> we, knock we, it, we have, knock it out of the we pool. We have a legit tray. Of forty basketballs, they're the small ones. We we do yeah. shootouts, right? So it's oh man, it gets yeah. intense, dude. It gets intense. I love it, dude. Yeah. Well, it's about that time of year, man. It's yeah. warming up. This it's weekend. gonna be here before you know it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, Matthew, man, this has been amazing. 
Truly appreciate your time. Love chatting with you. Where can my listeners find out more about you, APU, all the great stuff you're doing? Yeah, APU, athletic, performance, and then just a you.com. It was about time I, got, I, I adulted up and got an actual website. And then um, for me, Matthew, Ibrahim underscore Instagram. Um, I, I respond to DMs. I enjoy uh, you know engaging and interacting. So I'd say IG and then the website. And uh, that's where you can find me. Thank you for having me on, Mike. I, I genuinely appreciate your time. Dude, I love it, man. Thank you again. And uh, man, we'll have to do this again soon. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, my friend, that does it for this week's episode of the Physical Prep Podcast with Matthew Ibrahim. Really hope you enjoyed it. Man, Matthew is just such a ball of energy. He's so passionate, so enthusiastic about, I brought. I would assume, life in general, but especially this topic of building the brakes. And man, we had so much fun chopping it up. So really hope you enjoyed it. Really hope you got some new ideas, some new strategies to implement because, man, it's easy to build a bigger gas pedal. I always talk to my athletes about this. Man, it's easy to help you run faster, jump higher, lift heavier weights. Like I really feel like that is not the limiting factor for a lot of them. A lot of them is teaching them how to stop more effectively. How do you get into and out of cuts, not just safely, but effectively? Because that's what really separates some of the highest level athletes. So again, hope you enjoyed the episode. Hope you took a thing or two away from it few pieces of housekeeping to wrap up. Number one, thank you so much to our sponsor, Exerfly. Appreciate them. If you're trying to help your athletes become faster, more explosive, build a real serious set of breaks, make sure you check them out. If you're not already subscribed to the show, what are you waiting for, friend? I feel like every week I'm trying to bring in great guests, talk about some really relevant topics in our field and in our industry. So if you're not subscribed, Wherever you consume podcasts, go there right now. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, the Amazon Store. We're on YouTube Podcasts now. Basically, we're out here. So wherever you consume podcasts, go there, subscribe, so you know each and every week when a new episode drops. Three, if you haven't taken our survey, you can still win a free copy of the Complete Coach Cert. It's in the show notes. Just trying to collect feedback. What do you like? What would you like to see improved? Who do you want to see on the show? that hasn't been on maybe in the past or hasn't been on in a while. So go through, take that survey, still collecting those. And then last but not least, lots of requests for donations. People that wouldn't buy an Exerfly would not invest in the Complete Coach Cert because they're not in our industry. So if you want to donate to the show, there's a link to that in the show notes as well. But man, my friend, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back next week with our next episode. Take care.